Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Will all the mothers stand up real quick? All the mothers stand up. All the mothers. All the mothers. Let's give God some praise for the mothers. Yes? Yes, yes, yes. You may be, you may be seated. You may be seated. We are thankful for our mothers and those who play the role of mother in uh, our lives and uh, across our um, congregation and some mothers are here visiting with your children. Thank you and welcome to Epiphany Fellowship, mothers and grandmothers as well. And also another group of people we want to thank the Lord for. We are all my graduates. Stand to your feet. Amen, 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 amen. We are so proud of you for finishing. Somebody say finish. Amen, 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 amen. Uh, some of you, it took a little longer than you thought, but God brought you to the end of the road. You should have been blessing his name already today that it's over. How many of y'all that graduated, y'all say, I'm glad I'm out of school now. Somebody didn't put their hand up because they got to do the summer. They walking, but they got to do the summer joint. <laughs> It's all right, you finished though. Get them two classes out the way though before they, before they go snatch, snatch, you know, snatch, snatch. So you wanna go ahead and finish, amen, amen. Bless, bless the name of the good Lord for gra graduate. I'm proud of Pastor Kurt finishing up as well. Proud of him, proud of him, proud of him, proud of him. Uh, we got people all the way doing high school, community college graduates, uh, um, bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, and we got a bunch of people working on their doctorate in, in here. So we thank God for those of you who are now doctor, uh, uh, doctor now. So bless the Lord again. We thank the Lord for you. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. Uh, we're going to um, take a part from our series from, for today, and we're going to do a Mother's Day message. Is that all right? Genesis uh, 4, verses 25 and 26. Uh, when I count the three, y'all can just go ahead and start reading together. One, two, three, Go. Amen. Amen. Today, I'd like to tag our text, uh, the commitment of a godly mother, the commitment of a godly mother. Let's go before him. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for mothers, and we thank you for what mothers mean to us and the commitment and work that it takes to be a mother. And so God, encourage them today in their mothering and for future mothers, those who are yet to be married and are yet to have children, Lord God, will you encourage them uh, to not check out, but to take notes for the day when they will have to uh, live in light of being a committed mother who is godly. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, in our day and age, um, there is a postponement of motherhood. Um, in, in our day and age, uh, 
It's, it's nothing wrong with getting a degree. It's nothing wrong with a career path. But um, pregnancy today uh, is different than it would have been in biblical days. There was a different, if you will, disposition uh, towards motherhood uh, in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, uh, that, that, uh, that, that, that came up that was a commitment of economic commitment for family. It was social commitment for family. As a matter of fact, they didn't have a police force, so your family was the police force on Frontier. Uh, so you had a bunch of children. All of them were armed and ready uh, to do business. Um, uh, and, 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 and work, work was, it, it was, it, of course, the economic benefit in an agricultural trade society, of course, was that um, children would play a role in helping bring in income for the household. Both young men and young women were taught work ethics from their very, very young age, as early as they can remember. But then finally, there was a spiritual significance of parenting that took place that we'll see in this text in its potent realities. Um, we see here an uh, interesting uh, soliloquy of a passage that helps us to begin to really look at a passage that can easily be overlooked uh, but has, uh, 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 to me, a rich, rich depth for motherhood and for the trajectory, not of just motherhood, but the trajectory of kingdom philosophies all the way through the Bible that was birthed by the commitment of a fallen woman. And in the midst of this woman being fallen, she was willing to be committed to the Lord in light of all of those realities, which brings me to my first of two points. Number one, if you're going to be a committed godly mother, number one, you're going to have to recognize um, that, uh, that godly mothers view raising children as a divine assignment. <laughs> um, um, uh, 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 godly mothers view raising children as a divine assignment. Here in this passage, we have Eve. We have Eve, the first woman, uh, experiencing uh, this again, and she's being blown away by the Lord. And she, this is the last time she will ever speak in the Bible. The first time we see her speaking in the Bible, she's talking to the devil. But the second and last time she speaks, she's talking to the Lord. And, uh, and, and in other words, you, she may have messed up the first time in who she talked to, but even though her voice is heard this last time by this small staccato statement, she's talking and blessing the Lord for his divine activity after a fall. M mother, mother, no matter where you are and where you're going, I know you've had some great falls. I know you've had some great frustrations. I know you've had some places in your life where you've been left field of God's heart, but I'm glad to say that the first woman who messed up everything— now, let me, let, me, let me explain that to you. Uh, uh, see, see, you may have messed up a child. You may have messed up a friend. You may have messed up a dude, but she messed up everything. <laughs> like, like, I mean, I'm we're not talking about like a little, I mean, tsunamis happen because of her. Her. Pain in your childbirth happens because of her. Men having to work harder than they would have had to work happen because of I don't know about you, but I don't know how she recovered from that. Well, we'll see in the text how she did, but it's interesting that the worst mistake in history is recoverable from. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something. No matter what you've done in your life, you ain't done what Eve has done. And Eve experienced God's forgiveness in such a way where she rededicated her life to him 
in such a way that even though she messed up everything, she is the mother who will birth everything through her. We're going to see that in a second. In, 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 in other words, what you messed up in your past can be recovered through birth. I wish I had some time to talk about it. But what God is going to help us with in this passage with mothers and this potent, and this potent theologian called Eve. See, we've mostly heard bad stuff about Eve. But in this passage, this little statement changes the game of how you should view Eve and motherhood and yourself. Look at what look at look at what she says. She it's, it says and it says and and Adam knew his wife. I like the way the Bible says stuff with great discretion. You know what that means? He knew his wife. Amen. It means yada intimacy, plat out. Then it goes from there. It says she bore a son and called his name Seth. I like this family because mothers named children back then. And they usually name their children based on what God was doing with them. And based on what God was doing in them, they had a desired trajectory for that child. And they named that child based on what God was doing with them, but then also what they wanted God to do in them. And so she, and this is the statement that she made. God has appointed for me. Let, let's, let's stop right there. This is, this is enough for the rest of the message right here. In other words, when she saw herself on divine assignment, somebody say divine assignment. She didn't say God gave me a child. She said God appointed for me another offspring. Now, appointment points to divine language, and it's interesting. Appointment means to place, put, make, ordain, or establish something, and to put you in a condition for something powerful to happen. And so what she begins to do is Eve is beginning to realize and embrace her matriarchal role in history. And so now she's embracing this. How do I know that? Because what she's saying about appointment and offspring points back to Genesis 3.15. It's interesting that while God is talking to the serpent, he inferentially talks to Eve. Mm. While he's engaging and cursing the serpent, he is encouraging Eve. While he's putting the devil on blast, he's inferentially calling upon Eve to be blessed. In the midst of her greatest moment of fall, in the greatest moment of her greatest destitution, we have what theologians call the proto-evangelium, the first gospel presentation. In, in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, Eve is feeling extremely bad, covered by dying leaves and no longer covered by the glory of God. And God is standing in front of her. Her husband is standing in front of her, and the enemy is standing in front of her, and her sin is in front of her, and yet in the midst of how bad she felt, how frustrated she felt, how embarrassed she felt, and what she knew that she didn't know because of the messed up, God talks to the enemy, yet engages and encourages her while she's in her sin. Look at what it says. Look at what it says. He said, God said, I will put enmity. I like that. God says, I'm going to put beef between you and the devil forever. Okay, let me, let me say that again. Ladies, one of your jobs is to hate the devil. Okay. In other words, God appointed that there would be beef between you and the devil forever. Now, what's interesting is it's not person-to-person beef between you and the devil. Look what the verse says after that. I will put enmity between the woman, uh, you and the woman, and then he says, between your offspring and her offspring. In other words... The devil will have babies, and Eve will have babies. 
And he says, there is going to be a consistent battle between two lines of people that will exist on the planet, a godly line and an ungodly line. And he's called Eve. He's letting Eve know, encouraging her. It's going to be a beef between y'all. And I'm redeeming you even though you messed up. Even though you didn't do what I said, I still have purpose for you. I still have design for you. I still have a desire for you. But I'm going to remind you my purpose based on the enmity that I put between your offspring and his offspring so that you will always be on alert that you are on purpose. And look what he says, look what he says then after that. And this is where we get the proto and evangelium. It says, he shall bruise your head. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Some say crush his head. And this is ultimately pointing to Jesus Christ. Where Jesus Christ will come and the enemy will bruise his heel by killing him. But ultimately Jesus will crush his head by putting an end to all of his works. However, childbearing from Genesis up to Matthew and even going on to our day will always be purposeful in relation to pointing to divine assignment between two seeds. And so as we begin to look at Eve working on this, in other words, being a mother is spiritual warfare. Some, some mothers, you got to stop arguing with the wrong thing. You're, 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 wrong, you're arguing at the wrong thing. You're arguing at grades. You're arguing at money. You're arguing at spilling milk. Not realize that more is at stake than those little things that you're arguing about. I wish somebody would help me in this gathering. In, in, other, in, other, in other words, a mother must be attentive to the fact that the enemy is always after a godly seed. Oh, y'all not going to talk back to me. It's interesting because in Moses' day, he thought Jesus was coming that day. And the devil began to put in Pharaoh's heart to do what? Kill all the offspring. Why would he kill all the offspring? Because he wanted to cut off God's ability to continue a redemptive work through the work of Eve. Oh, help me today, God. And then in Jesus' day, when Jesus finally came, what did Herod do? The devil put in his heart to do what? Kill the firstborn child. In other words, the enemy always puts genocide on people groups that he know God is going to bless. Oh, help me today, God. In other other words, the enemy, the enemy knows that. And that's why down the street on 21st and Diamond, you see a bunch of shirts out there. And those shirts represent all of the Philadelphians that have been killed thus far this year. The enemy has not stopped in these AD times, what he used to do before Christ's times, and trying to stop there being a godly seed being raised up by godly women. In other, in, other, in other words, you would think because we live in a high single mom population in this neighborhood that the devil would leave them alone. But even though there may not be a man in some of the households, he still knows that if a mama's present still, there's still purpose for that child. <laughs> um, and so you, you got to begin to learn how to have keen eyes to begin to look at what in the world is going on with your child. And so mothers have to view this and take seriously the idea of moments to engage your children. I'll never forget my mother. Um, my mother died a few years back, and my mother was just, just a blessed woman. She was a short woman, but she's a firecracker. Now, you, you know, she was a little hood firecracker. You know, um, my, mama, my mama was from rural South Carolina, grew up during Jim Crow, so she was a tough little woman. 
You know, she, she went to school where it was just a room and everybody in every grade was in the room. You understand what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Teacher had to teach like 12 grades of, in one room. That's where she come from. She spoke Gullah and she spoke, um, she spoke Gullah, she spoke uh, regular English, and she spoke Negro. She had three different languages she spoke. <laughs> and, my, and, my, and, my mo- and my mother took, it was, it was nine of us. It was nine of us. Seven of us in the household. And she took very much heavy care of what was impacting us as a mother. And so I remember it was about the third grade. When I was in the third grade, um, the teacher told my mother, Eric can't learn. Never forget it. And she said, and, and they said, he can't learn. And they were about to put me in special ed. So my mama, I told you she spoke three languages, okay? She weaved them three together as she engaged the teacher. <laughs> but she did it in a godly way. Amen, hallelujah, praise God. <laughs> and, 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 and she was worried about me ingesting the morsels of the inner city school system. And what she did was when that teacher in front of my mother said I couldn't learn, she said, what can't he learn? He doesn't know his multiplication tables and he's struggling on these tests. And so my mother went home and of course, I don't know if she got old, she had this big old, maybe back then, she had this big old, the Bible was like, the Bible they put in the pulpit and hold out where you can, you can swat a fly with that mug, you know what I'm saying? They just go, well, cool, you can just use it as a fan while you, you know what I'm saying? It's, it was, it was a, I call them the air conditioner Bibles, you know what I'm saying? And so my mama, my mama began ministering to me and, and, and pouring into me. She said, give me three days. She took that old construction paper. Now, you don't remember that construction paper where you rub it on your skin and you can be exfoliate your skin with it. You remember that? <laughs> you, remember, you remember that kind of construction paper? And then them big old red pencils, you know what I'm saying, that didn't have no eraser on the back, and you had to screw the eraser on the top of it, or you had to use the little tri- uh, the rectangular joint and it tear the paper up and all that. And then the tip of the lead of the pencil was so sharp, you can fight, fight a battle with that mug, you know what I'm saying? And so she got that out and wrote out my multiplication tables from zero to 12. And then she put it in front of my face and said, boy, learn it. And she began walking me through. Okay, this is how you do it. And she taught me mathematical tricks. You know what I'm saying? And she didn't complain about new math. She taught me all these mathematical tricks. And I was like, boom, this is in like one evening. I learned it in that evening. Friday, it was Wednesday. I remember it vividly. Friday, my mom said, all right, come on. She snatched me by the hand, took off work. Now, you got to understand, my mom worked from 6 to 7 every day for the government in Washington, D.C., and she worked real hard to make sure that we had good because my dad was in a tough situation as being a post-war vet in World War II Korean War, post-traumatic stress, 100% disabled, boom. So my mom was like, listen, I'm gonna take on my matriarchal role and, 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 and invest in my son. She takes me by the hand, takes me to my third grade class at Truesdale Elementary School on 7th and Ingraham Street, Washington, D.C. And, when I, and, 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 and we went into the school, and she didn't even make an appointment. That's how gangster my mom was. My mom said, my mom walking to school, you know what I'm saying? She's like, come on, come on here. And she walk up into school. I'm coming along, you know, I'm coming along like this. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm, I'm just going along. And, and, and we go in. She, Dr. Jones, come in. You know, my mama was sassy. She said, come on out here, come on out here. Come on out here, baby. She said, she said all right, all right, all right, Eric, go. I said, zero times zero is zero. Zero times one, and I'm just going down. Just killing and the teacher's looking like this. You know what I'm saying? Looking at me. <laughs> and she said, where did all this come from? She said, 
I didn't take the words you said about my son. I went home and taught my son. And my mama, I didn't know, knew something about what could have happened to me that I didn't know. She was trying to cancel an assignment of the enemy on my life. Because because they used to tell us in Washington, D.C. public schools that we would not make it to 21 years old. And and, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm blown away, and I began being blown away by the fact that my mom viewed, I didn't know it then, but she viewed even my education as divine assignment. And she she said, I'm not going to let the devil get you, son. You're going to be able, because if I would have been put in special ed, um, it would have been a trajectory towards somewhere I wouldn't even know where I'd be today. And what I learned, I learned several things. I learned every, and I'm not trying to separate the congregation. I learned my value as a black man. I learned, I, I learned my value. That's number one. Number two, Imago Day. She taught me Imago Day without knowing it. Number two, I learned I had a photographic memory. Inferentially, by the way she taught me, I learned that I could take pictures of everything I looked at. And I could remember it and digest it and study it by sight without having it in front of me. And what's powerful about that, though, is that ain't even the banging part. And I'm not trying to brag, but if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have finished high school. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have been the first person in my family to go and finish college. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have gotten my master's degree. And if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have got an earned doctorate degree. It was because a woman took seriously mothering and saw the tricks of the enemy to destroy her child, to take her child out when she was paying attention to what was going on with her child, that she stopped her life and said, you matter to me enough. I want you enough. You got to win enough for me to invest in your life. Mothers, mothers, mothers. Pay attention to your flocks and herds. Eve is teaching us this beautiful idea. No matter what ethnicity you are, you pay attention to your children. I don't know who hoodwink women of today that motherhood is a secondary option to your value. I'm not dogging your degrees. We celebrate your degrees. I'm not dogging the corporate ladder. I'm not dogging entrepreneurialism. But don't you think for a second that those things are more important than raising a godly seed. Now, I'm not, don't come, I'm not saying every woman has to be a homemaker. That's not, don't walk away. See, pastor, that's not what I'm saying. Because I know we try to have apologetic tricks to push us back from God's will. But I'm not saying that. But what's powerful about this passage is she saw this as an appointment by God to put her in this situation. I'm going to finish this up and I'll be done. It's interesting. Eve was committed to the Lord herself and not merely based on her husband's commitment. Notice this talk about Eve and Seth. Even though husbands are supposed to be leaders, women, you're supposed to have your own relationship with God. Oh, y'all not going to talk back. It's okay. And, and you, you, you should not depend on your husband for you to be committed to Jesus. Eve didn't let whether her husband was committed or not committed commit her to her commitment to follow the living God. 
I love that reality here because we see in the text that Eve took responsibility for the reality that she fell and that the reality of God's gospel redemption in her life. And she, so she didn't let her fall make her forget the Lord. She didn't let a moment of demonic deception throw her off track from the Lord. And she, she could recognize she still had a work and that God had a work for her to do in her life. And finally, finally, second point, and I'm out your way. Second point, godly mothers can be used <clears throat> to nurture the tone of her children's spiritual life for generations. Godly mothers, listen, can be <clears throat> used to nurture the tone of her children's spiritual life for generations. It's interesting that this idea of offspring in verse 25 is very, very interesting. Because offspring in the book of Genesis, <clears throat> it's talk, it, it really points to God's creation terminology of one of the same kind. In other words, what I am, what I birth is a seed, and therefore the seed of whatever it comes from is a byproduct of what it came from. And so Eve viewed this this way as him being, Seth being an offspring. But what's interesting is it talks about when Seth grew up. Now, by the time uh, Eve and Adam had Seth, she was around 150 years old before she had any more kids. I don't know what, what some of y'all frown like, what in the world, 150 years old? Yeah, 150 years old, it's crazy, right? And look what happens here. It says, to Seth was born, uh, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. This, this is like crazy right here. They got to understand, to this point, no one had called upon the name of the Lord before. No one. No one. Eve so invested in Seth. Seth so invested in Enosh that Enosh innovated the invocation of God's presence. Mm. In, in, in other words, this idea of the invocation of God's presence is whenever they yelled or called upon the name of the Lord, it was to let people know who they served, and it was to call upon God to be involved with every single area of their life. In other words, now generations upon generations would know the Lord because a mother decided to take mothering seriously. Yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. And, and what happens is, is you see Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 8, powerfully enough, it says, and when he went from the land of Ur and came to the land of Canaan, he built an altar to the Lord, and guess what he did? And called upon the name of the Lord. In other words, he invoked upon the presence of God. You'll see later Moses invoking uh, the presence of God. You'll even see God uh, put uh, Moses in the cleft and hold his hand over him and walk past him so that he could see his glorious hind parts, the Bible says. And it says, and God yelled his own name. That's when you know you fly, when you can just proclaim your own presence. It was like God was basically telling Moses, I'm here. I, I like that. In, 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 in other words, in, in so, and so, so what I like about this idea is this generational reality goes from generation to generation to generation to the point to where the, 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 the Bible says, um, all of us always look at verse 8, 9, and 10. We always say, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But verse 13 says, 
whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, her mothering innovated her grandchild to create a form of communicating with God to invoke his presence and involvement. God took that inspirational idea, formulated into a gospel principle based on Genesis 3.15, and now you see over in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, that the way you get saved was innovated by a mother, was innovated by a mama taking mama in seriously, and now all of us are saved under Christ because of the innovational technology of the lips that God gave Eve to communicate and raise her children up, raise them as godly men, pour her life into them. And then Seth had Enosh, and he said, let me tell you what my mama taught me. And he began pouring into his son Enosh, pouring his life into Enosh. And then generation after generation after generation called upon the name of the Lord to the point to where Eve's innovation was so powerful that God said, I'm going to use that as a way that people communicate their commitment to Jesus Christ. But I'm so glad that one day the Bible says every knee shall bow above heaven and under heaven and on earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Guess where it was innovated? By a fallen woman. By a fallen, by a fallen woman now saying, I messed up everything. But God gave me hope. He gave me hope once again. And let me have a child. And she said, God, this time, I'll follow you. (laughs) Somebody in here should say, God, this time, I'll follow you. And let me tell you something. There is nothing like a changed woman. (laughs) I don't care what you've been through. You are called to be a matriarch. You are called to be a fam. You're supposed to take seriously the beauty of motherhood. Just a few practical things, woman. Listen, pray for your child and encourage your child equally and above your commitment to scolding and disciplining them. In other words, <laughs> if, you, if you put them on blast for five minutes, Bless them for 10 minutes. Oh, y'all not going to talk back. <laughs> and, and, and build a culture. I'm not saying you got to pray like long prayers for your child. Oh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We, we, we look to the one who hung the stars in the rafters of eternity. That we, I mean, you may do that. Praise God. Some child, your child, just may want you to get some of that, that extra virgin olive oil. Shake that mug up. Say, God, in the name, you get your little chill there in your smile. You say, you say, you say, God, in the name of Jesus. I'm in the, hey, God, I bless you today, God. Release them and save them early in Jesus' name. Amen. And go on about your business. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Before they go to bed or when they go to bed, go in there and whisper prayers over them. You don't let, don't let the, and listen, listen, listen. And if you feel like something in the room, in the name of Jesus, put the. (laughs) Hey, listen, if your child is scared before they go to bed, you read a word to them. 
And then next thing you know, you're talking to them and praying. They, they knocked off sleep, slob, <laughs> slobbing it. They woke up the next morning. Did you wake up, baby? Amen. See how good God is? See how good God is? <laughs> oh, man. Turn off technology. Stop handing them your phone and iPad to occupy them and make some memories. Don't be so tired and nagged that your children, I know you need a break. I know you need a break. But don't always let your mothering fully be a break all the time. Turn off some stuff and silence the household sometimes. Get a membership to the zoo or something, to the aquarium, please touch museum. I'm just trying to be practical and walk with them and talk with them. You see something crazy? Don't say, don't look at that. Explain to them some stuff. Pour into them like Deuteronomy 6 talks about. I'm out your way. <laughs> view being a mother, listen, view being a mother as massive, not mundane. <laughs> you don't know who you raising. Invest, invest, invest in your children. And when your children don't understand why they're doing something, because sometimes being a child feels monotonous, train them in the bigger gospel picture of why they're studying geometry. Like, why, mom? I mean, why I got to get an A in this? Explain. Figure out a way. I, I, so you, I know you'd be like, now, how is that going to, and you figure out something. <laughs> you know, one day you're going to have to, I don't, you, you God made everything with a shape. <laughs> you want to be able to recognize it so you can worship him. But a triangle look like a mountain? I mean, you know. <laughs> Say something. <laughs> but invest. You, you, you guys roll. You are, you are the first line of defense against the devil. You spend the most time with them. You, you're around them the most. And I pray that you would embrace biblical womanhood, that you would embrace biblical motherhood, and that even, don't let your career postpone you raising a godly seed. I'm done. Father, we honor you and thank you that Christ came through 42 generations of a lot of mess and a lot of redemption. And in the midst of all of that, God, I mean, you had, Jesus had great, 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 great grandmothers that were prostitutes, uh, warriors, and <clears throat> all different types of people was in his bloodline, but God used them and redeemed them. <clears throat> God, I just pray today that you would encourage the single women to see the glory of biblical womanhood and that you would, they would embrace it by getting married, allowing us to get married, be found by a man. Amen. Have a children for those who are called to that. Lord, bless the mothers. Maybe some mother who has a young child. I pray that she would practice on them even though they can't say nothing. Lord, I pray for the mother who maybe, said my kids are older now and I, and I didn't apply any of these things. Help her to repent and turn to her child and try to do whatever she can without interrupting their lives, but loving their lives to pour into them in a loving way. 
God, bless the mothers, bless the women to have a battle strategy for their parenting as they grow and do simple things to just pour into the life of their child, Lord God. We thank you for them, honor you for them. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior. <laughs> Maybe you've never put your confidence in him. Christ died on the cross and got up from the grave for you. <clears throat> Why did he die on the cross? Because our sin deserved death. Our sin deserved death. Separation eternally from God. <clears throat> Separation eternally. But God, through Christ, gave his life. Christ gave his life so that we could believe that God's anger was satisfied as it was poured out on Jesus Christ, raised him up from the dead on the third day. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and is buried, it can not bear fruit. God, I'm, I, God wants Christ's death to bear fruit through your salvation, through you trusting in him to go from spiritual death to spiritual life. If anyone here wants to put their confidence in Jesus, slip your hand in the air. We love to talk to you about Jesus. Anyone in the balcony on the floor says, I, I want Jesus as my Savior. I, 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 want, I want a brand new life. I want new life in Christ. I want new life in Christ. Anyone today, anyone today wants new life in Christ. Amen. Let our men come.